0: Created live on Fireside. Welcome to Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe right here on the Fireside Platform. This is a weekly dose of professional development for higher education professionals. But this week, because it is Thanksgiving week and because we are looking at things we want to be thankful for, we want to be thankful to the wonderful leaders and inspirational people in our lives. And today, it is my pleasure to bring to you several of the contributors to the recent book brave women at work stories of resiliency we are joined by sheila higgs burkholder jennifer pistakis trisha tyann and yolanda brown and we want to welcome all of you right here to fireside and we are going to get started with the show. So thank you, wonderful ladies, so much for being here. And I know we are all looking forward to the holiday. And I will not ask you if you are prepping. I am not going to ask you what your turkey <laughs> choice is. I am not going to ask you if you're brining. I am not going to ask you if it's dressing or if it's stuffing. We are going to talk about you and the great things you are doing. I am going to do my best to move myself on and off the camera because you all know me. The uh, but I want you to get to know these wonderful women, and we are limited on the number of cameras we've got going on. So I want to give everybody a chance to introduce themselves, say hello, tell us where they're dialing in from. And I'm going to start with Jen because you are one of the the primary contributing authors to the book and the and coordinator. So Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're dialing in from. Then we're going to go to Yolanda, we're going to go to Trisha, and then to Sheila. So you all know who to go after. So Jen, t- uh, introduce yourself. Tell us where you're from and what, uh, what do
1: you do every day? Sure. So Dr. DeVoe and Sheila and everyone, thank you so much for having me on the show today. I'm I'm really excited about the conversation. So Jen Pastik is here dialing in from the Chicagoland area. And I'm going to just tell you it's really cold here. So hopefully where the other ladies are dialing in, it's not as cold, but it's pretty frigid here today in Chicago. (laughs) Um, during my, uh, the daytime, I'm a senior vice president of business development at a local Chicagoland financial institution, and then by night, I've had the amazing opportunity to work with all of these women and a few more that aren't on today um, to write Brave Women at Work Stories of Resilience. I'm also a career and leadership coach and a podcaster of Brave Women at Work, so happy to be here.
0: Wonderful to have you here. Next, uh, Yolanda, why don't you to say hi?
2: Yes, hello everyone. My name is Yolanda Brown. I am joining from Avon, Indiana. It is cold as well, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> By day I am, I serve as the president of Diversity Initiative, so I'm a DEI leader for a company called Engage Mentoring, working to drive inclusive cultures throughout the nation. By night I am an entrepreneur, um, you, experienced expert, speaker, author, love this opportunity to be a part of this book and just excited to be here with you, Dr. DeVoe. I'm
0: excited to have you here. Tricia, say hi. Are you cold too? Everyone's cold. So are you in a nice place?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, where I'm at, uh, which is Landenburg, Pennsylvania, uh, Tricia Tyon, hi everyone. And it's a warm 54 right now. So um, maybe not... Uh, it's positive Hawaii weather, but yes. <laughs> uh, certainly not uh, Chicago land and Indiana weather. So um, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, similar to to Jen and uh, Yolanda, I have a day job, which I'm uh, currently an um, HR leader at a, a multi industrial company in the Wilmington area in Delaware. Um, I actually live on the border of Pennsylvania and Delaware, so I live in Pennsylvania and I uh, work in in delaware and then um, by night and in my spare time i'm a um, career coach. I uh, love helping women who feel um, pretty stuck in their careers and um, they've reached to a they've reached a plateau and they're looking to see what their um, next move is so thanks for having me and i'm just uh, so excited to to be here and talk about our book
0: (laughs) it's fantastic and i want to thank you for being here and sheila i know you have to have warm weather where you are (laughs) you know what we had a little
4: bit of a cold snap but it is now about 60 some odd degrees so i will not be complaining in this group um hey everybody uh everybody on this call knows me as shiggs uh sheila higgs burkhalter i'm the vice president for student affairs at winthrop university been in the higher education sector for 28 years and my nighttime gig is as a leadership and transitions coach. Um, and it's, it's a wonderful gig and it's, um, it's gotten me to get to know these women. I'm so excited to do this work with them. And now I guess we're all best-selling Authors as well, so uh, yay for us! That's was a, it's exciting to be talking an, to you, Laura.
0: And that's a wonderful thing to be. So I'm very proud of all of you, and I'm very <laughs> impressed of, with all of you. Um, and I want to know more about the book, how it all kind of came about. Um, Again, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, brings you all together is this woman, Jen. Um, And Jen kind of was part of this uh, from the very beginning with her co-author, Hope Mueller. And Jen, tell us a little bit about uh, what was the motivation behind the book. Um, and what sets this book apart from other books on the market that are really trying to inspire, uh, people, especially women. So tell us a bit about where this came from and what sets it apart based on what you've seen, what,
1: what else is out there? Sure. So uh, thank you for that. So I would say uh, I'll start with what sets the book apart just because it's top of mind. And I would say, you know, and, and again, I can't compare every book on female empowerment and leadership out there. But I will say that the women that shared in this particular book, you can tell that they've really... Done it. Like they've really done it. There's real life experience there. There's long standing experience there um, of different phases and stages in career. But most of, I mean, I would say almost all of the authors are very seasoned in their career. And so there's awesome. so much combined experience, uh, life, and leadership knowledge in this book. So much in there. And then in regards to resilience, I think that every arc in this, every story in the book has an arc of decision, whether it was doing, you know, something on uh, Shig's on, you know, being first only different or mine on burnout or Kim's on, you know, having a divorce and a reinvention. Trisha can talk about her story of, you know, kind of coming out of a health crisis. You know, Yolanda and all of her insights during COVID, all of those, like, it's because we decided to pivot and to actually go through it and be resilient. So I would say that that is what I see as a real difference maker in our book. Mm -hmm. And then how the book came to be is actually through my own burnout story. So how about more real world experience for you? (laughs) So um, in 2019 went through some significant burnout in uh, my life and um, on the other side made a decision that I had a nudge to start a podcast again called Brave Women at Work. And then realize—I mean, I love podcasting, love all these platforms, but not all women are there with me yet. Now, I want all women to be podcast junkies like me, but not everyone is there yet. <laughs> um, so I said, "Okay, well, maybe we need to take these—yeah, maybe we need to take these stories in book form. Maybe we need to do this in in, in print." And so, how Hope and I met is an amazing—and I'll, I'll make it quick—but an amazing story. In that, Hope was a guest that was on on the podcast. And was introduced to me by another powerhouse woman in the Chicagoland area named Natalie, and she said, hey, you've got to have Hope Mueller on the show. And so I had Hope on, we connected immediately, and then this little nudge again, you got to listen to those internal nudgings, and that intuition said, hey, ask Hope if she'd like to write a book with you. And I said, hey, Hope, what do you think? I mean, we had just known each other, Dr. DeVoe and team, like we just met and Hope didn't say no to me. And so from there, she's like, you know what, Jen, let's do this. And I thought maybe she would just hang up and say she's crazy and never talk to me again. But she actually connected with me again and we started the book process and from there, You know, I found all these amazing women that I had not met before, but we compiled a beautiful and talented group, and that's how the book was born.
0: You know, I love that you have phased it this way, or phrased it this way, is that, you know, you took a risk, you found somebody who mm-hmm. you connected with, it provided you with an instant connection, right? So this idea of like, what is it? I, I think women, especially, we find people that we connect with through mm-hmm. uh, so many reasons and, and. I will say this, and I don't want to make it sound like, well, women are better at suffering through suffering than men are, because, you know, I will be the first one to say, I think sometimes men will uh, kind of turn their backs on the suffering, where women actually lean it into it, right? And you say, I have had difficulty, I have overcome something uh, that other people might set them back, and you find actual strength in that, and so that connection, that connection, that common ground that opportunity for us to find one another through and say you know what we have actually something in common here let's let's kind of dig into this and I I think that's wonderful um I also liked your comment about podcasting and women in podcasting I literally say I listen to podcasts like it's my job like I swear to God if there was like a way for me to make money just <laughs> listening to podcasts I would be a millionaire okay um you know so I wanna I want to our attention to these other wonderful writers uh, that were part of this, and and I'm going to start with my friend shigs because I've known you the longest, and I'm going to lean into the into knowing you and being your friend and and uh, loving you so much, and. I want to talk about your, you know, I've read the book, so I want to make sure y'all know I've read it. Okay. I did my thing. I downloaded it on my Kindle. I'm doing my thing. And by the way, if people are like, how do I get enough reading in my life? I hate to say this, buy a Kindle, put a Kindle next to your bed, plug your phone in, in another room. And at night you go in and turn on that Kindle and you will be surprised how much reading you do. Okay. So there you go. So stop doom scrolling in bed and start actually reading some good stuff. So Sheila, You know, in your section of the book, um, you talk about being a first, and you and I have had this conversation before. And for someone, uh, you know, of my identity, being, you know, a white woman, uh, someone who has lived a life very different from yours because of my upbringing, um, when you talk about being a first, I never even knew that term existed until you said it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I want you to talk to me about being a first and why being a first is such an important part of your identity and how come that then inspired your chapter of the book.
4: Yeah. Great question. I feel like I need a whole, um, fireside (laughs) podcast for myself to just talk about that, but I'll keep it brief. I'll keep it brief. Um, so what I will say is that, you know, I have been a first in many places and spaces over, the length of my career and even all the way back to high school. And so I think what makes the first that I talk about in the book so different is I joined an institution and you know how we interview in higher ed. It is, it is a lot of everything, um, you know, phone interviews and neutral site interviews, and there's just so much that goes into it. And so I, um, I something has happened here that might be different Nope. I'm going to turn go. on your video again.
0: Yep, there you go. We had a little, Thank you. Had a I don't glitch. know what just
4: happened there. No, it's okay. okay. Um ahead. and so I so what what made this situation different and why I thought this story was noteworthy is that I joined an institution and we'd gone through that thorough process that we go through and no one had ever mentioned that I was the first black mm. senior leader on this campus in 132 years. Um, that would not have prevented me from taking the position. But it was really interesting at this season in my life because of what was happening in the world and what was happening on our college campus, what was happening in the state. And so I could feel the pressure of what it meant to be an FOD, a first only different on this particular campus. Trump was in the White House. Um, You had the Black Lives Matter movement making a, a resurgence through the world because it had been out there. It was making a resurgence because of, you know, the black and brown slayings of bodies that was happening in the media in real time. And so you take all of that and you add it to a campus where you're the first one in a very long time and the first one ever in that particular position. And the people who advocated for you to be there are still there to witness your arrival. And it just adds something different. I would love to tell you that I came up with the concept of first only different myself, but I have to give credit to Shonda Rhimes because that That terminology came out of her book, um, but it really resonated and gave me some new language to talk about my lived experience.
0: And so in your chapter, um, you spoke about speaking. You spoke in the book about Mm -hmm. uh, framing the experience that you had um, on your campus to your students, okay? And in a space was that the first time it, and and I loved your chapter because I could literally hear you in my head. I'm like, okay, I hear, I hear Sheila saying this, but I've been on your campus. I've walked your campus. I have seen your students. I've been around your students and I know your students see you as someone who sees them. Mm -hmm. Was that something as you were putting that together, those words, uh, that you were, uh, crafting, Were you trying to get an emotional response or was this more about your emotional response to where your head was at at the time? Is this making sense?
4: Uh, Absolutely. I think it's a a great question. And I think I wrote that that book chapter from a very pure perspective. Um, What I have often said in, in the places and spaces that I occupy, particularly when you have a VP title... Um, there is an otherworldliness to you. Um, you know, she is someone other. Uh, she yeah. is maybe not like us. And so that's why, you know, I let students call me Shigs because I think right. it's important that they're able to connect with me. And so um, what I felt I needed to do in that book chapter was lean into authenticity to really tell the truth of what it feels like to live in this skin, to be in this place and space, to have these issues coming at me, the stress and pressure. That comes with being in a role like this, and so I felt like I needed to be truthful. And even when we had the, you know, the the forum where we talked about our lived experiences, um, you know, I, I'd written one of those speeches that we all write where we kind of mm. touch upon the issue, but we don't go deep. And I thought, no, um, this is your opportunity to speak your truth because you are the only one, the different one in the room who can actually talk about this in a way that is resonant. And because you do have the position that you have and you do have the seat at the table and you do have a tremendous amount of people who who honor your journey without even truly understanding the journey, I, I absolutely felt a responsibility. I think the emotional impact and the way that it hit people in some ways was just bonus. It was me really relieving myself and telling my truth. And I wrote that book chapter in one sitting and then i came back and edited it in a second sitting um and it, because it was in me and it needed to get out and that's not me being braggadocious that's me just Sitting down and just pouring the words out onto the paper.
0: Right. And it was about something that you were feeling so deeply at the time. And it absolutely makes sense. But I did see Jen make a response of, oh, oh my goodness, like you didn't know that (laughs) this was the first time. Was that the first time you heard that, Jen? That this was the, that she sat down and wrote it in one sitting?
1: You know, knowing Shigs it doesn't surprise me, but it surprised me in that moment that she just like knocked it out. Like she's such a powerhouse that I'm just oh like God. she just knocked out her chapter in one sitting and then just <laughs> knocked out the revision in another. So, way to go, Shig. Way to go. That's awesome. Thank
0: you. i love that so i want to turn attention uh to trisha trisha is also one of the contributors to the book we are talking about brave women at work stories of resilience it's available for you wherever you buy books um uh and trisha your contribution uh was all of the contributions were quite personal but yours in particular Mm -hmm. focused on uh physical pain and Mm -hmm. uh that notification of your own system to your own body that says something's not quite firing on all cylinders here okay Mm -hmm. as we you know i'm 55 years old I, I joke, it's like I can't I can't eat onions after four o'clock anymore. You know, like there's certain things that happen to your body as you get older and you go, Oh God, you know, where did this happen? Okay. It but when you when you know you're not feeling well, you know you're not feeling up to snuff, so to speak. And um you had seen your primary care due to some swelling um in your hands and some pain, and then um your primary care sent you to a neurologist and then eventually to an immunologist. Um, and from that, a diagnosis of um, under differential connective tissue disease uh, or otherwise known as UCTD, which is a tongue twister. Um, yes. <laughs> can you tell us about this autoimmune dis- disorder and how mm-hmm. it's changed your life and why did you feel it was so important to write about this and and I want to make sure we're really clear the the book itself was written during the pandem during our time of the pandemic, as well as other, mm-hmm. other realities happening as, as Shig's respond, mm-hmm. uh, uh, alluded to earlier, especially around Black Lives Matter and, uh, some of the other, uh, issues that came up in in society in general. So, so mm-hmm. Tricia, why at that time did you feel it was so important to write about this?
3: Well, um, first of all, I saw Jen's post about an information webinar about a book project, that she was working on, she had uh, posted it in. Uh, we went to the same uh, coach certification uh, program, and we have a yeah. community um, Facebook group. So she had posted it there, and um, I don't look at that community page all the time. Just every so often, when I have time, or if I'm you know, cur- or if I get a notification that looks um, interesting, and um, I, I believe that uh, things always happen for a reason. <laughs> Whether they're, um, you know, not to judge whether they're all just say good or bad. Um, not that anything is, is good or bad. But in in any event, um, I was really drawn to it. Uh, so I um, messaged her that I was interested. I'd like to sit in on the webinar. And um, I just felt like um, the way she wrote the post, I really wanted to, to share my story uh, because I had struggled. Um, I'm going to say most of my adult life since i um because it's it's the symptoms started happening shortly um, after I started in my career mm. and um, you know have just been dealing with different flare ups and so forth so the um the first diagnosis of undifferentiated uh, connective tissue disease um, was something that the immunologist um, you know, had diagnosed, uh, she wasn't completely convinced that it was uh, one of the forms of lupus. And at the time, um, I think with insurance and different things, uh, she just wanted to be sure. So um, as, as time went on and my symptoms, which were primarily, you know, you mentioned about pain. So mm-hmm. it was primarily uh, joint pain. Um, in my hands, which mm-hmm. I, I was a really active person, so my hands and my feet, and I just felt fatigued all the time and um, you know I was you know twenty something and it just mm-hmm. it didn 't seem right, so at the time you know then it, you know you 're kind of young and mm. not knowing a lot of things, so you think, okay am, am I not taking care of myself?" At the time, I was eating a lot of chicken. <laughs> am I eating too much chicken? You just have all these <laughs> crazy thoughts in your head about Overdosing what am I doing differently yes. that I, you know, wake up and I'm swollen. I can't put my feet in my shoes, and or you know, sitting at work and you know just can't pick up the phone, things like that. But anyway, it, it progressed, and the the diagnosis did end up being systemic uh, lupus erythematosus, uh, which most people know as lupus. And um, just throughout my life, I've had different flare ups. Um, I never really looked sick. um, Even though I felt really sick inside. Um, I really, really was, and still am very ambitious, uh, very career driven, and never wanted to tell anybody that, you know, I had to you know, go to the doctors or go for lab appointments. Um, You know, anytime I had to um, go to the hospital, I would um, quite frankly lie, (laughs) you know, take Mm -hmm. a vacation Mm -hmm. day uh, because I just really didn't want anybody to know what I was Mm -hmm. dealing with, um, especially at work. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I just had it in my head that they wouldn't understand. And I think at the time, you know, being the the late eighties, early nineties, um, you know, especially in the working world. Um and, and I don't, you know, I don't want to sound, you know, judgmental here either, but, you know, working in human resources, you know, just seeing how perhaps other employees who had, you know, very apparent um, you know, illnesses or even disabilities for that matter, you know, how they were treated, mm. yep. and um just thinking that the people and maybe even a little bit of trust factor that they wouldn't understand what I was going through. And because mm. again, I didn't, I never looked sick. Right. Um, so I just had this in my head. And then, um, you know, with the, the different, you know, changes in jobs and, you know, obstacles with, with, I think kind of maybe some normal (laughs) obstacles that you go through when you're trying to, to grow your career, when you hear things you don't want to hear and Mm -hmm. um, about, uh, you know, probably experiences that you don't think you need to have, that that's not really in your, your, um, you know, career plan. And then, you know, doing lots of pivots. I think we've all, um, you know, Mm -hmm. experienced that when you read the the different stories and, you know, readjust and then sort of the, major, the worst flare-up that I had that put me in the hospital for about three weeks was when, um, my body decided to have, uh, affect my, or my, um, immune disorder decided to affect my, um, kidneys. So it was, uh, lupus nephritis is what the diagnosis was, but essentially my, um, kidneys were failing. Ugh. Um, I was in the hospital for about three weeks and even then <laughs> I, I, um, Right before that, actually, um, and I, I think I mentioned this in my chapter, that mm-hmm. I was just so tired. I was so tired. I, it, it took everything in me to you know, get out of bed, get ready for work, drive to work, go through the workday, mm-hmm. and then go home. And um, we had a vacation coming up. And I thought, oh, if I could just get through this week, um, I'll go on the vacation. I'll be able to rest and recharge for that week that we're on vacation. And then... I'll be good as new. Mm. Uh, but something told me to go to the doctor before we went on the vacation. Mm. So I did. It was like a Friday afternoon and uh, went to my um, my doctor and she did a urinalysis. And uh, when she got the results, she said, you need to go to the emergency room right yeah. now. Yes. So yeah. it's like, oh, Okay. Um, and so they admitted me and, um, you know, did all kinds of testing. And then from there, I just seemed to get worse. Um, they tried all kinds of treatments, um, you know, to help my kidneys and the first couple of weeks were pretty dire. Mm -hmm. I have to say, um, my nephrologist, you know, talked to me about dialysis and, you know, possible kidney transplant. And I just... Cried, I think, the whole time because I just mm-hmm. felt really bad. I couldn't eat anything, and they said you have to eat. And it just I was and, in really I, bad. Can I
0: ask a question, yeah, Tricia, In the yeah, when course. you were in the hospital, when you were there, mm-hmm. when in in terms of who was your go to? Like, where did you pull the strength from? Were there people around you that gave you strength? Was it mm-hmm. your doctors? Was it your family? Was it your coworkers? Did you have to dig in? Because one thing I want to, I want to, that's going to probably sit Mm -hmm. with me for a bit because your background is in human resources. Human resources Mm -hmm. is supposed to be a place that is going to provide resources to the humans. Okay. That's in the name. All right. (laughs) And the idea of, um, and and I've seen it, I have absolutely Mm -hmm. seen it from a, a, you know, an executive leader standpoint and me having to go to human resources to say, I have a Mm -hmm. staff member who they're going to come to you. They're going to need some extended Mm -hmm. time off because of X, Mm -hmm. Y, Z. And I've seen some human resources folks who are very kind and saying, okay, what do we have to do to make this work? Mm -hmm. And then I've seen other people that kind of have now put people into a bucket. Oh, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm wondering mm-hmm. if as a as a human resources professional mm-hmm. and as a, a woman who was going through a very difficult time,
3: mm-hmm. when
0: was it necessary for you to, and did you uh, successfully kind of pull yourself out of one part of your brain to the other part of your brain to say, as a human, this is what I need mm-hmm. versus as an administrator, this is what I need, and then I'm going to bump it over to Yolanda for uh, for, some, yeah. Yeah. for some words on her chapter.
3: Yeah, so I'll, I'll try to answer that. Um, so that that first week, um, you know, when they when I was in and. Um, You know, I thought I would be better in a week and I could return to work and no one would know the difference. But then, of course, when I wasn't getting better, I had to resign to the fact that I had to tell my boss, who was the head of Mm -hmm. (laughs) human resources, what had happened. And I had to, you know, divulge, um, you know, my condition and, you know, the uncertainty of what was going to happen to me. So, of course, she was very supportive. so, So that was helpful um you know my family was was very supportive um you know i remember my sister bringing me um you know different meditations um you know for healing mm. that um you know i listened to and then even just with i had to at some point you know pull it out within myself mm. that um you know i didn't want to die i didn't want to um you know go on dialysis um and just you know, lots of meditating and, um, you know, having the mindset. So just kind of fast forward, you know, some of the other things that I've gone through that, you know, folks can read in the book, Um, you know, last year, I had a kidney transplant. And, you know, my, um, you know, recovery, in my mind, was just really remarkable when I think about stories I've read of other people who have gone through this process. And um, I really do a owe oh, a lot of it to, you know, not only the support that I've had with my, you know, employers, friends, family, but also just not to brag, but within me and my mindset mm-hmm. and, you know, telling myself that, you know, I'm going to heal and this is going to work. And it's I okay was to fortunate it, to Tricia, get <laughs> because
0: here's the thing. It, it is about mindset. It is about mindset. Oh, totally. We all have people in our lives uh, mm-hmm. who gave up. Mm-hmm who gave up. I mean, it could be about health. It could be about work. Mm -hmm. It could be about happiness. And there is a point where we all have to say, I'm not going to give up. Oh yeah. Okay. And you may be surrounded by the most miserable humans on the planet. (laughs) You can still find it within your mind and in your heart to not give up. And if that means about Mm -hmm. changing your behavior, that means about changing your health uh, diagnosis, Mm -hmm. if that just means digging in, absolutely Mm -hmm. there. And I'm, and your chapter did definitely put me in a mindset of saying, you know what, there is no matter what, there Mm -hmm. are people around us and there are, and and, to be frank, it is now 2022. We are mm-hmm. not dealing with leeches and and like bloodlettings mm-hmm. anymore. We are actually right. <laughs> dealing with people who know what's going on. All right, so yes. let's 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 dig into the health, the science, mm-hmm. and the spirituality that comes yes. with healing, which yes. I think is really important. So mm-hmm. I want to flip to Yolanda because Yolanda, you uh, are a uh, experienced author. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I see that you are right now writing another book, but your first book uh, is about, uh, it was a book called Loyalty, A Girl's Guide to Understanding Authentic Friendships. Um, And your contribution to this book has a little bit of an overlap there. So, um, you know, am I right? And so um, talk to us about the loyalty lessons from elevated women. Okay, you list four things here, Yolanda. Love on yourself. Reflect on who you are, practice gratitude, and this is the one I want to talk about. Embrace your brokenness, okay? Mm-hmm. Tell me more about this and where, where this all kind of was rooted from. So, so talk to us about that.
2: Ooh, that's a lot, Dr. DeVoe. <laughs> um, let's see. Where do I begin? So brokenness. So my first, I've been writing... Um, since 2016 and I was a part of a collaboration that was um, faith-based and Mm -hmm. testimonial. And my chapter was titled, um, oh Lord, (laughs) I just went blank, Bold, Beautiful and Broken. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Bold, Beautiful and Broken. And from there, um, when I wrote that, it was I was I think a year before I got married mm. um was able to purge um several of the things that had happened to me as a young adult my what I call as my growing pains where I made some terrible decisions and still bounced back if you will I made decisions as you know even rooted in you know broken relationships um, that I talked about in that chapter with my mom, with, um, dysfunctional relationships, um, with money and men and just several things, t- testimonial in nature. So I talked about being broken. I talked about, um, allowing yourself to get to a point of vulnerability to, um, look introspectively and, and really understand that that I was enough and that my mistakes did not define me and how I was able to still thrive. Yes, yes, yes. And so that took me to several, um, a few other collaborations, still testimonial in nature, still telling my story, still with my goal being to empower women to feel that they can bounce back from adversity. So I've had this theme of of resilience pretty much my whole life, okay? Mm-hmm adult life and maturing life as a professional, as a mom, as a now wife. And so from there, because I am passionate about youth development and I was working um, in a nonprofit setting where I've been, I have a 27 year old daughter. So girls programming has always been important to me that I was able to put her in things that would pour into her as I, um, desire to do as well and support my thoughts and ideas. But one thing that I found in talking to young girls is that they there, they had challenges in understanding and, and knowing how to navigate their friendships, knowing who's good for them. Why do they choose the individuals that they do? And so that led to the loyalty book Mm -hmm. and because I wanted to touch girls sooner. I believe, you know, healthy girls become healthy women and and dealing with their mindset around friendships I feel was something that that was going to be my my ministry and I decided that I wanted to talk to girls um younger sooner okay. <laughs> and help yep. them understand authenticity but first understanding that loving themselves first and better will help them love others and so from that um, but somewhere in that story of brokenness, because I want to make sure I address that main question of yours, I converted the broken into an acronym, um, breaking and removing obstacles with knowledge of God's word, evidence of his power, and never ceasing prayer. My spirituality is something that I value very much, And so as I move forward, um, you know, in talking to young ladies and helping not using the word broken as much with them, but also but helping them understand their value system mm-hmm. and tying it um, into how they choose people to love and how they express how they need to be loved by others and treated in relationships.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so all of that, um takes me forward to my first week on my job that I am in now Mm. and having already seen Jen on actually on a virtual event with my current employer Mm. and seeing her on LinkedIn. And my, my boss says to me, she says, Hey, she said, I signed on to be a part of a book collaborate (laughs) and she says I think that it would be perfect for you Mm. and and how does
0: that make you feel that makes you feel something when someone pulls you out and says I think you'd be perfect for this
2: Did because she and I of course she knew about my journey as an author and everything that that is meaningful to me and I said, well, what's the topic? (laughs) You know, know, because I knew I knew brave women at work, but I was still thinking because I'm telling you all in my mind. Mm. And I don't know if I said this to Jen, I can't remember, but I, I was never going to write another adult focused story. I was never going to do anything else testimonial in nature.
0: Jen's learning a lot about you folks. I mean, I'm glad we got to do this because she's literally going, I had no idea.
2: (laughs) I had made a vow that it was, my focus was girls, you know, and I decided that was what I wanted my brand to um, be forever for you, you know, forever more that I'd done enough of telling my story. Mm -hmm. And Oh my gosh. I when I talked to Jen um and I had to write our my first statement of what it would be about it was I said how can I not talk about the covid years?
0: Yeah. How
2: can I not talk about the resilience and staying power mm-hmm. that I experienced over the past two and a half three years but mm-hmm. that has been a theme of my life of bounce back and mm-hmm. and being mm-hmm. able to really um, rely on people who love me, authentic relationships, my spirituality, everything that matters. And for in this time in particular, between everything that we've already heard, um, especially Sheila, the things that she's saying that resonated be, be between the the unrest that was happening in the world, my own health challenges with having COVID and being a long hauler of COVID. Mm. um experiencing successive losses of my in-laws being a supportive wife a mother um just some very trying some things that i know mm. could have easily taken me out and i was mm. able to rely on i know the my workspace talking about bravery at work and knowing mm. what my work space and the team that I was a part of opened the door for a space for me to be as more vulnerable than I've ever been in my life. Mm. I have been nurtured as one who I don't cry at work. I don't show emotion. I, though I was, I'm always been a great team player and respected in work environments, but for the most part, thriving and pushing through, well, that's what I did. And I decided that time out for not bringing all of me. And that's even on the days when I was not okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I needed a space and a boss and a, um, a team that was supportive, that we could be vulnerable, that we could cry, that we could, I could talk about what was happening in the world and have them see me as, um, as a person who was hurting and, and, and that we could all learn from one another in our diversity and our diverse experiences, yeah. that we could come together and create beautiful work that we could still thrive and push through for the organization. And that increased my organizational commitment. And so it was all of these things that came together. And by the way, I was working with organizations and talking about resilience. So it just brought all of my worlds together Right. Right. It made me want to say. And and the quotes, I have quotes in my chapter. I was like, how can I do this without including the the nine people that have been with me through all of these storms and trials and tribulations that happened over this past two years? And I I solicited quotes from them and I didn't give them any basis for them only to say, have I? Did I? (laughs) Yeah. How were you impacted by me showing up? Uh-huh. You know, because I wanted my story to be true. I wanted it to be authentic. I wanted to know, am I who I say I am? Do they mm-hmm. see me that way? And that's what I talk to girls about. I talk about the girl in my head, the girls that others see, and the girl that I say that I am, mm-hmm. you know, because there's this matching of head and heart. And what comes out of our mouths that matters and all of that, um, you know, contributes to our resilience. And so that's where my story came from. I said a lot, but it is it makes me so full to.
0: and, And I just I don't want to interrupt you, Yolanda, but I really believe that a lot of what you're throwing down here is about that idea of showing up, being who you are, despite whatever you're dealing with and being able to not so much muscle through it. Like I hate that term of like, just muscle through it, just get it done, okay? But that idea of like being able to, and it connects to what Trisha was saying earlier. It connects about this idea. is like, we have to acknowledge when we're in pain. We have to acknowledge when we're not do, at our 100%. We have to acknowledge and we have to trust that that environment around us that we have actually chosen to be part of is going to be a place that is going to aid in our resiliency, not necessarily is going to push us down and push us out. Um, I want to ask... Uh, Jen, a question because I think one of the things that has struck me is that in the book and and we've seen it today with, with the contributors who are here, is that there's very um, there's different stories, different tacts, different lived experiences. When you were curating this. How did you make the decision of which stories you wanted to tell, which you thought had had resonance? I mean, obviously you're a coach, you work with people every day. So something about your own experience in terms of what people struggle with actually I'm sure I I shouldn't, I say, I'm sure I have no damn idea. That's why I'm asking you the question, but like, what is it that you said, okay, these are stories that are going to actually have an impact on our, on the people who read it. Because I know from my clients, from the people I coach, from the people I work with, they're going to learn something from this. How did you make the decision of who to include in the stories that you ended up including?
1: So, that's a great question so I did a couple rounds of informational sessions like Trisha talked about that's how I met Trisha that's how I met uh, Shigs. Yolanda I met differently through engaged mentoring so you know, we met in different ways and I don't know if uh, Sheila and uh, Trisha and Yolanda and, and the rest of the authors know this but what was interesting is you know we talk about a higher power we talk about the universe showing up like so what happened was people would show up and people would be interested and then they would drop out. And mm. I was really nervous because I was like, oh, I really like this story or like this story. And so what ended up happening is I just trusted. And I talked to Hope and I said, hey, we have this, we were at one point around like 10, I mean, one of the highest, I think it was a 12 authors. And then those authors, some of them like started dropping out for several different reasons. And then we ended with eight. And Mm -hmm. what ended up happening is I cannot tell you who I spoke with, but they told me about a book called The Power of Eight. And then I looked at the title and I still have it to read. So I can't comment on like the book. But as soon as I heard that title, I'm like, that's it. And so as soon as I met with each one of the authors and I heard their different stories and we did the kickoff and then I heard like kind of the fates coming together with the power of eight. I'm like, that is our group. Mm -hmm. And so I have to tell you, I completely trusted in God and the universe to provide. And so there you have it. That's great.
0: So I want to swing it back to to Shiggs for a second because uh, one of the things that you talk about in the book, and I know this about you, I've heard you say this before, is that you believe in people values and learning with heart. And so this experience uh, introduced you to new people. It introduced you to uh, people's values and maybe gave you an opportunity to revisit your own values. And it, it definitely hit your heart. So tell me, what did you learn from these folks about, uh, about yourself? What did you learn from them about you?
4: Yeah, so I, well, first of all, I, I counted it a privilege to have done this book with this group of women. You never know what you need and then people show up and you're like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I really needed this. And so I think um, we've heard it multiple times in our conversation today that authenticity is so important. And I think that was validated for me over and over again as I read these women's stories, um, that all of us in our own way, whether it's in the telling of our stories or um, in you know, being honest about what was happening in our life or our feelings or um, our health issues or owning those backstories that many of us don't like to tell, in my case, it's owning the fullness of my history. Um, you know, my, my father who was born in the segregated South, um, you know, my husband who has to, when he leaves our house to walk the dog, has all kinds of interesting implements that I never even think about having when I walk out the door. Um, I think it was important to own those stories and so the authenticity I think is something that was validated for me and I think it's it's really important and and then you're right in terms of the people um and the values and leading with heart you see the the narrative woven throughout this book um none of us got through our journeys alone so the people are prominently featured in every one of these stories Mm -hmm. Um, this notion of values. I think we all sort of recentered our values, whatever they were for us in terms of moving forward in a more strengthened kind of way. And then leading is interwoven in all of those stories as well. Um, it's, it's, it takes leadership to be able to stand in your truth and utter it out loud. And then for us, we went a step further and wrote it down yes. for other people to look at, to critique, to learn from Um, and and we did that unabashedly knowing that it will be it's there forever now we can't take it back and so um, so I think that that alone is a lesson in bravery and a lesson in resilience and so this this whole experience was just so amazing in ways that I cannot even describe and so um, while for some people it's over for me it will continue for some time and really it's it's really making it, its rounds right now. Even on my campus, I had the opportunity to do a book signing, and I actually had the opportunity to read from the book and mm-hmm. um, to to watch the students' faces as they realize, "Wait, this is this is her story. Mm-hmm. This happened on this campus just a few short years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it did something for them, and and now they walk around talking about." Oh, my God, did you know she's she was the first one in 132 years? And it does something in terms of validating their experiences when you're on a campus that has 42 percent of the students here are first generation college students. Mm-hmm. So to know that someone sits in this seat in this office who may have come from a, an experience that was similar to theirs um, really resonates for them. And they, they are telling this story mm-hmm. in ways that I never anticipated. And that for me means that it's it's accomplished exactly what it was sent to do, to validate other people, to help other people feel seen and to know that they are not alone. And again, I think this series of stories does that. And you know, one of our people that is not here that I especially wanna call out because I've been responsible for the Office of Accessibility on multiple campuses. And I really was touched and her name just went Flat out of my head, but the story about dyslexia, um, that story was so powerful for me because you know it, the condition exists. You know that people are navigating some pretty tough territory, but to see it written in the way that she wrote it and when she talked about the challenges that came along with that,
2: mm-hmm.
4: it has changed how I advocate for students. From you know that an accessibility perspective um i already was doing it in my own way because of my mom and her accessibility issues mm-hmm. but but that those hidden issues that we don't know about that right. people need us to speak up about same thing with trisha and her story um that you never know what what battles people have and so i think it's really important for us to always lead with with humanity and with people centered at, at, at the heart of that um, and because we don't know what battles people are fighting and what it's right. taking for them just to move through their day, day to day. Um, so I learned a lot um, and a lot has been validated for me and I think this has been a tremendous experience.
0: And, and, and I applaud all of you because just like you just said, uh, Sheila, that idea of, you know, you can say something, but when you write it write it down and then it becomes permanent. I mean, you know, it is not something you walk away from. It's something you now own. Um, but I'm sure in some ways it is therapeutic. It is, uh, it is uplifting to see your thoughts and your words uh, on paper, in front of people. And also that when someone then comes to you and says, okay, well, you know, Tricia, what, when you said this, what did you mean by this? And Wanda, I didn't realize this meant so much to you. And you've been saying this for so long, but now I understand this about you in a different way. You know, this is really an amazing opportunity, and Jen, I I think it's important for folks to really acknowledge the fact that when you actually decided to put this team together, that curate this group of women, curate these stories, is that you have a a specific amount of um, responsibility to the reader and to uh, folks who are actually going to be able to connect with this. And so I think it's quite inspiring that you uh, kind of, you know, you didn't just grab people all in one uh type of work or all from one part of the country or same faith uh faith uh upbringing or whatever the case may be and so you know has this changed how you actually practice the work you do as this experience jen how has this influenced you and the work that you do
1: in so many ways, like Sheila was saying, well, first of all, it really makes me reinvest in the power of humanity and especially women that we are rising and we are stronger for it Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. And so this was an amazing and beautiful experience for me. And so it almost, uh, Dr. DeVoe, it feels like I'm like doubling down. Like I rode on so much energy through this project that I'm like, oh yeah, like this is a sign for me to do even more (laughs) great work. So you know that's basically what i'm doing is i'm riding on my own melt here and it's not about being an amazon bestseller oh that's like a happy byproduct right Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. about making amazing and beautiful connections in the world and that's what i'm doing that's amazing Um, and i i
0: really want to uh, thank all of you for being here it is uh, i thought it was really timely when we were trying to come up with a date and I said, you know, we're going into the Thanksgiving holiday and this year is going to be, you know, we, we keep talking about coming out of the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic. But um, if, if it's any, you know, if, if the traffic outside my house is any indication, everyone's going somewhere, you know, and I want to acknowledge the fact <laughs> that we've all been through a lot over the last uh, two and a half years. Um, Some of us have been through health scares. Some of us have been through uh, business scares. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us have changed jobs. Um, There's a lot that's gone on. And thanks cannot uh, actually happen without reflection, in my mind. You can't give thanks unless you know what you're thanking for. And uh, I think one of the things that you have all done is – provide people with uh, at least a a jumping off point for their own reflection to say, what what do these words mean to me and how does this all kind of uh, apply to my life? So um, I I think it's timely and I do hope that folks um, uh, pick up a copy of this book and And uh, I am going to ask you after I I do a little promotion for upcoming shows of my own, I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to ask all of you to answer it is uh, the holidays are coming up. So who is this book for? Um, if you want to buy a copy of this book and give it to who, who are you thinking, of, what type of person or what specific mm-hmm. person are you thinking of giving this book to? So I am going to ask you all that. So you are listening to Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. We are here regularly on the Fireside platform, uh, and we replay both on Fireside as well as on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and uh, iHeart Music Podcast. And uh, so I'd love for you to follow me here on Fireside. I want you to be coming back. Back to future shows um and uh you know we have a great time here on the show um and one of my favorite things that we do every month is we have a think tank show our next think tank is at 12 o'clock eastern time uh and we're going to be talking about current issues of the day uh in higher ed uh with my wonderful think tank of people, including Sheila, uh, of people from all over uh, higher ed with very strong opinions. And we always do try to bring up Florida because Florida is in itself is its own, uh, you know, hot mess of higher ed. So we always like to talk about that a little bit. Uh, so there we go. So we will be happy uh, to have you back. And then um, we are curating, speaking of curating, in the second semester, uh, something I want people to be aware of is we are doing thematic months months uh, on mergers and closures, a, mer- a month on uh, the business model of higher education uh, and other themes that I think are very relevant. And so I'm really encouraging all of you to be here. So uh, so that's what's coming up uh, in the immediacy and long term. And so I am going to turn it off to you guys uh, to tell us who uh, who do you think this book is good for um, And uh, the, with the holidays coming up? So I'm going to go uh, with Sheila, then Tricia, then Yolanda, and then Jen, you're the last one. Um, and then I am going to go back to all of you and ask people how to find you, uh, what's the best way to find you, whether it be on social media, LinkedIn, etc. So Sheila, why don't you start?
4: Yeah, so I like this question, and I like a quote that someone put in the book. I won't read the whole thing, but this is what they said. This book eloquently gives a voice to those of us who've had to persevere and survive in silence. Mm. And so that for me means that this book is for anyone who is going through their own kind of journey and they need hope um, and they need to know that they're not alone. So men, women, boy, girl, anyone on any gender spectrum, the whole shebang, I think it's Mm. for everyone.
0: Fantastic.
3: Tricia? Yeah, I, actually, I, my thoughts are uh, pretty much an echo of just what Chig said. Uh, when I think about, you know, if it's for yourself or if you have a girlfriend, family member, boyfriend, whomever in your life who, you know, needs some hope, encouragement, some comfort that uh, they're really not alone in mm-hmm. whatever challenges that that life brings to them and that they are resilient and it is within them to um, get through whatever you know challenge that they're facing
0: fantastic
3: yolanda
2: that's good i agree i agree with both comments but i always say books make great gifts and please (laughs) in the hands of a young person put a book in the hands of a young person
0: fantastic and beautiful
3: beautiful
1: Um, I will say one of the other reasons I do the work I do is for my daughters. They're probably a little too young for this book at this point, but I've got one 10 and one four-year-old, but they're going to be young women. So I'm with Yolanda here. I think that teens, Mm -hmm. I think um, women just starting out, I think this applies to all uh, audiences as well as the other author stated, but get it in the hands of a young woman that's just starting out to realize that they're not alone and that they can do this.
0: Fantastic. And as a quick round-robin, Sheila, how do they find you? How should people connect with you? The
4: easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn under Sheila Higgs Burkhalter, and I'll be happy to connect with you. Fantastic. Trisha.
3: Same for me on LinkedIn, uh, Trisha Tyon, T like Tom, A-Y-A-N.
2: Fantastic. On LinkedIn, same for me, LinkedIn, Yolanda, Y-A-L-O-N-D-A, Brown, or on social media, you can find me at Just Say It, LLC.
0: Fantastic. And Jen, go ahead. Oh, Jen seems to have frozen, so we will make sure. Oh, there you are, Jen. Jen, how did people find you? she's still having technical issues i think she's still frozen so we will make sure we put jen's contact information as well as everybody else's contact information up in the show notes so that way people can find you um and uh we are thrilled to have all of you here and i want to thank all of you and i want to wish you all a happy thanksgiving you have been listening to office hours with dr devoe right here on fireside this is the next evolution of professional development Uh, in higher education office hours with Dr. DeVoe is a live audio broadcast aired and recorded weekly on the fireside platform I am your host Dr. Laura DeVoe and I thank you for listening be sure to subscribe to my newsletter what's up in the academy it is the number one higher education newsletter on the substack platform and follow me here on fireside twitter LinkedIn and uh, links to subscribe are available through my link tree, which is right now scrolling in the show notes. Uh, Now get on out there, learn something and don't forget it is Thanksgiving. So uh, pile up on your favorite side dishes. Everybody have a happy holiday. Have a good one.
4: Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.
3: Happy Thanksgiving.